Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. My name is Martin Thompson from the ITAM Review. Uh, On today's podcast, I have a gentleman called Barry Pilling. Uh, I can't even remember when we first met Barry, um, but I'm pretty certain it would have been part of the SAM networking group that Kylie runs in London. And uh, you've been a very kind contributor towards the campaign clear licensing as well. Um, So Barry Pilling, welcome. Hi Martin, thank you very much for uh, having me on. Um, I think you are are probably right. I think we first met um, through the uh, SAM networking groups at, at BCS and then obviously as you say, I mean, I think I got to know you probably after a campaign for clear licensing took off. Right, because uh, I mean, are you able to share your previous roles around, because you had some, should we just say UK government or even, are we even allowed to say that? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, I'll give you I'll give you a bit of background, I guess. And so I, I have um, been doing software asset management for uh, the better part of eight years now. Um, I I got into it. Um, I mean, I, I guess I I fell into it like most people do. Um, I, I've yet to meet anyone that leaves school and says oh, I want to be a software asset manager or I want to be a software licensing consultant. Um, but I, I fell into it from an IT background, uh, like a, a lot of people do. Um, I was working in uh, a series of IT roles for um, Norwich Union as they were at the time, um, doing desktop support. And then I moved into to data center management, um, which was uh, quite an interesting place to be. And then uh, then was outsourced. Um, so I, I got into it that way. I was, I was outsourced to uh, a major IT services provider um, because Norwich Union decided they didn't want to manage their own IT anymore. Um, and uh, I, I kind of fell into it from there. I was I was looking for something new um, because the, the the data center management just wasn't really doing it for me. I've got to be honest. Um, the last last few months I was doing it, and um, an opportunity came along. The the account um, after we'd been outsourced, the, the the account was looking for a software asset manager that had to be recruited internally. Um, I sort of made some inquiries and stuck my hand up and said, Yeah, I'll give that a go. See, it seems uh, seems like a challenge. Seems interesting. So um, little bit I know at the time how challenging it would be. <laughs> so before you dived into Sam, you'd done desktop and data center. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. So I, I, had a, I had a, obviously had a broad understanding of technologies, and obviously, as, as I'm sure we'll talk about later on, as, as you know, technology plays such an important part in in understanding licensing and, and software asset management. So, um, yeah, so I, I had a really good technical platform to build on. You know. Um, not uh, not obviously any any experience of licensing in the past. You know, we, we had a, a team at Norwich Union that dealt with that. Um, so I never used to really get involved with it when I was working in desktop support and data center management. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, it was an interesting challenge. So um, suddenly I found myself as the the lone SAM analyst um, on an IT outsourcing account uh, managing um, the software asset management processes and, and licensing around several thousand servers with, uh, with big reporting responsibility to the end, end client as well. So it was, uh, 
it's very challenging times. Um, so how, so, how yeah. if we could take a step back, how, how do you, so you're doing desktop and you did data center and you said you weren't really getting on with that towards the end. What, yeah. how did this SAM opportunity pop up? You said so no, so I, I, came I, up. was it like uh, somebody encouraging you to take a role or what was that? Well, I, I, yeah, I, I had a, I had a good friend, a chap called Scott Woods, who was um, working in, um, hardware asset management on the same client account. So he he had been doing asset management in the data center team when we were outsourced. And then he got recruited by um, the outsourcer and said, look, actually you do this on a day-to-day -day basis. We need this to carry on doing hardware asset management for the client because we're running these data centers now. Um, and he knew I was looking for something new. And he, and he said to me, look, I know there's uh, another role going in asset management. I'll, I'll talk to my boss. So he introduced me to his boss, a uh, very nice chap called Vishal. Um, and we got talking about it and, and he said, well, whereas Scott's doing hardware asset management, this is about software asset management. And I was like, well, what's that then? And it's, and it's like, well, it's basically the same as hardware asset management, but managing the software assets, you know, the licenses for the software that's regretted, and, and that's regretted that day ever since. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was, to be honest with you, it was, it was a big, it was a sea change for me. It was something I'd never done before. It was, it was something that I think um, I found really engaging and interesting and, it, and, it, and it, I had uh, I had an initial interview with um, the outsourcers head of um, software asset management for UK and Ireland um, which went very well um, you know and, and she said to me at the time she said just just so you know it's going to be an incredibly steep learning curve you're, you're going to be challenged every single minute of every single working day and there's always be something new to learn and, and I was like yep yeah, that's fine I'm great at learning new stuff I can take on board new new things and um, as I said, like, you know, little did I know exactly how much of a challenge it would be. Yeah. Um, and, and, frankly, was, uh, and, and frankly, that's probably why most of us do it, because you get a new curveball every day, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love it. I mean, obviously, you get to a point if you specialize in, in doing the same things over and over, you you do become, you know, very experienced with, with that particular element. But to be honest, there's so much going on in, in, in the world out there in terms of software licenses and software asset management. It's it's rare that I ever have two days the same. Um, and that is, is part of the challenge for me. I mean, I think the other part as well, and, and one of the reasons I, I took to it was um, that I'm I'm a proper geek when you when you get down to it and sort of analyzing reams of data and looking for patterns in the data is something that just really appeals to me uh, and something that I do do quite well, I like to think. Um, so, you know, it's... it's, it's, it's even if you wanted, even if you wanted to leave, you're not allowed to anyway. Because <laughs> I often joke with Rory Canavan, who I know that you know as well, and he says yep. it's, it's uh, Hotel California. You know, you can you can check out, but you can't leave. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, and I think that would be uh, it. Would be a shame if we had experienced people actually wanting to leave the industry, because I think there's. Um, I mean, it's something we'll probably touch on later, but I think there's a, a as obviously we know there's a resourcing issue in the industry at the moment. Um, you know, we're having truly, really skilled people, lots of people coming into the industry. Uh, so actually passing on that knowledge to, to people who may be a little bit less experienced is uh, is something I think it's important for all of us to do, you know, yeah. so. Well, um, we've, um, at our UK conference um, a month or so ago, we, did, we shared the results of our salary survey and uh, I'm not publishing that yet because we're showing it at our other conferences, but I'll publish it later in the year. But basically it said it showed um, the age of Sam and ITAM people globally. And basically there's no there's next to nobody in the 18 to 24 bracket. It's like if we were 
if we were a nation, we would be Japan. You know, do you know what I mean? It, it's like really aging uh, population desperate for new blood. So, and, and I think the major stumbling block for that, I'm sure you see this as well, Barry, is um, uh, the, the average job title says that somebody needs two to three years experience. And unless you've got that, you can't actually get in. So unless, yeah. and, and it's opportunities like yours, whereby somebody sort of throws you in basically and it says, right, get on with it. And uh, away you go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the age old uh, vicious circle, isn't it? Because how do you get the job without experience? How do you get the experience without the job? Um, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, and, and, and that is exactly what, what happened to me because the the guy that recruited me, Vishal, I mean, he wasn't a software asset management expert. He was very much a, a hardware asset management expert. Um, and it was, you know, here's your broad scope, um, crack on. Um, and, and that was basically what we uh, what we did. We just we just got on with it. I actually within that um, within that account, it was it was um, interesting. I mean, I learnt. I think the first vendor I really got to got into guts of licensing with was IBM um, because it was a big IBM house, and I and I cut my teeth on doing an enormous IBM license position across the entire IT estate. Um, for the uh, which fed into the commercial transfer of, of licensing uh, between the two yeah. organisations. So you don't like an easy life, do you? No, 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 no. It's, well, what's, what's the point in doing it the easy way? So it was, it was you know, my, my, my my first real experience of license management was having to get into IBM contracts and and you know read license information documents for the various products that we had deployed and interpret data from various tool sets that we had deployed. One of which is obviously ILMT. Um, so that that was that was uh, that was a, a very challenging few months whilst we got that done, and and I was quite proud of the fact because we had a really good in-house tool um, that had been built by the mid-range guys, and it gave it gave us reams of useful information about the the Unix boxes that were running IBM software. Um, and I had uh, I had a, an opposite number chap called Stuart Pierce who's now working for Flexera as a senior license license consultant. Well, we used to work opposite each other, and, and we basically both did our own commercial. Um, our own, sorry, our own licensed positions um, for the IBM, and, and we were pretty much bang on the money together. And then when we actually looked at what ILMT was saying, again, it, it came out spot on. So, you know, I'm, I'm quite proud of the fact that I managed to do exactly what ILMT said should be done. Um, and then, as I say, Stuart, who's, who I respect enormously, um, uh, you know, we, we worked together, and it was, it was a really challenging time, but it was very rewarding at the same time. So could you tell me about your um, existing business and what you do now? Because I know that there's a lot of people potentially in full-time positions that might want to be doing what you're doing. Um, so yeah, if, you don't, if you don't mind sharing how you got into what you're doing and, and how you do it and, um, you know, the sort of nature yeah. of your business. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I worked for um, the outsourcer for about three years. Um, in a in a permanent position, um, it got to the point where I felt it was unsustainable for me. Um, you know, it, it had caused me some some health problems, um, and I was I was looking to escape. So I'd started looking at, at other roles, um, trying to get out and and try and do something new, take on a new challenge. And and I have to be honest, one, the manager I had at the time uh, was a was a gentleman called Steve, and he was probably one of the best managers I've ever had. Um, because he was really, really understanding. And he said, look, here's the situation. He said, I've got some more redundancies coming to the team um, because the outsourcers were constantly cutting back on, on staff on that account. So um, he said, I've got more redundancies coming in a, in a few months. He said, if you can be patient and work with me, if you apply for redundancy when it comes up, I will, I will promise I will support you. 
Um, and that's exactly what happened. I applied for voluntary redundancy. He supported me. So I then had um, a little bit of a, a I suppose, a, a comfort blanket in the fact that, you know, I would be leaving there and, and taking a bit of cash with me. And I guess that inspired me to, instead of looking for more permanent, that inspired me to look at the contract market. Because I, I had jokingly said to someone um, a year or so previously, if this place ever makes me redundant, I'm going contracting with what I know. Um, and oddly enough, this is exactly what I did. So I, I it, it all worked out really, really well in the end. So I, I saw some contracts that were available about that time, um, applied for, for a couple, got one um, after a, a successful interview process. Um, and I was I was working on that contract, had me limited company set up and everything like that. And I was working on a contract before I'd even finished serving me gardening leave with the with the outsourcer. Um, so it was all, all very, very quick. Could, we, could I just peel back a few layers there yeah. before we go any further? Absolutely. So, so uh, without going into specifics, because it's none of my business, but how many months sort of grace did you have to get a contract? I know that you landed one straight away, but that's... When you when you start, you, you need a comfort blanket. And and how many months did you have? And you said you went out and looked for contracting roles. Where did you look for those? Where did you find them? Um, so it was all the usual sort of um, job sites. I mean, I, I was lucky in that the redundancy package I received because obviously it accounted for my previous service with uh, Norwich Union as well. I was lucky enough that the redundancy package was was probably enough to cover me for a few months um, if the worst came to the worst. Um, and obviously, as you know, SAM and licensing contracts don't always come up that often, um, you know. And, and I did I did struggle a, a, occasionally, you know, the, the, when I was looked at some of the contracts. I mean, as I say, I was lucky enough to get one pretty much straight away. But there were there were others that I'd gone for and, and got turned down for. In fact, one I was turned down for, and I won't mention the company involved because they're quite a well-known company. But one company turned me down because they felt I didn't have enough desktop licensing experience. Right. Despite the fact I just spent the previous three years doing servers, you know, and I felt, well, if you feel that I can't adapt to doing desktop, then clearly we're not meant for each other. So, um, you know, but, yeah, I, I looked at, I kept an eye on all, all the usual job sites, so job site and job serve and, you know, Indeed, and all, all these all these sites. And then uh, one just happened to come up um, with, a, with a well-known financial services organisation and, and it's a six-month contract. We're looking for someone who is a particular specialist in server licensing. And I thought, wow, you know, that's uh, that's me. Um, you know, how, I'm, how I'm happy you with determine, that. How did you determine what your day rate was going to be for that contract? Um, so <laughs> what, what happened, they offered a particular rate. Uh, I spoke to the recruiter and, and he said, you know, well, that's the maximum they're going to go to. I was like, well, I'll have that then, please. <laughs> it was it was that simple. Right. As, as it, I, mean, I didn't actually get it. Um, you know, they 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 pushed me down a little bit. It wasn't wasn't massively. They did push me down a little bit. But yeah, it was it was because I didn't know anything about the contract market for licensing or SAM at the time. It was a case of I'm just going to see what I can get away with. And, and they said it's that rate. I said I'll have that. And you know, it went down a little bit. So, to be honest, I mean, obviously, compared to the the salary I'd been earning in a permanent role, I was I was you know quite pleased with that. Um, so yeah, and yeah, and, and, then, and then I worked. Sorry, go on. Sorry, and and if you don't mind me asking, how, I mean, there's sometimes there's dry patches whereby you haven't got a gig for a little while. Overall, how have yep. you fared? Uh, that's not actually happened to me yet. Um, I've, I think I've been quite lucky. I've, I've gone from contract to contract um, with one 
exception where there was there was a slight change. I'll come to that in a moment. But I, I went straight from that first contract into a 12 month con 12 month contract in in government. Um, so that was with one of the major government departments, which was then extended for six months. Then I went to work for a uh, a retailer for nine months and then back into government for another six months um and it was it was that one where i left um unexpectedly um i i left at short notice and and for they, they gave me a, a, a you know we had a suitable notice period in place so um i was covered for a bit and, and at that particular time that was the the summer of 2015 i think um there wasn't a great deal on the sand market available in the contract space. There weren't a great deal going on because, um, as you know, I mean, sort of the times that people really look for for salmon licensing consultants in the contract market, sort of sort of September and January, uh, when people are getting budgets aligned for new years and, and new financial years and so on and so forth. So in, in panic on the renewals, perhaps. Absolutely, yeah. So in, it's in in July. It's it's um, there wasn't a lot going on. So, um, but I was that was the one probably the one real piece of luck I've had. Um, at that time where uh, a friend of mine who I'd worked with previously had said and, and had since been promoted into you know an, an asset and configuration manager role and said well look I need someone to come in and help us with a particular piece of uh, particular piece of work and you have the skills for that are you interested and I was like yeah absolutely so I ended up um, going and, and doing a, a four-month contract with them to help them out on a short-term basis um, just for that particular role you know that particular project so I, that, that's one place I was I think I was incredibly lucky you know um, the rest of the time um, when I've been nearing the end of a contract something always seems to crop up you know so um, so I did um, I, I've mainly done until the last year or so I've mainly done sort of single organization contracts you know the, the traditional sort of contractor uh, modus uh, operandi if you like which is you know devote all your time to one one client um, and that's that's what I've done from sort of 2012 when I started contracting April to um, December last year. So to be clear, um, to be clear, you don't sell licensing, you don't sell sound tools, you don't sell managed services. You just sell you, right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. I, I, when, when it comes to vendors, I'm completely independent. Um, I don't do, you know, I don't do uh, audits on behalf of vendors. I don't do uh, reselling of licenses on behalf of vendors. Everything is independent, and, it, and it's. It is me, as you say. I mean, I, I, um, I guess I, I trade off. Well, I suppose like most people do in our industry, I trade off my track record. You know, I, I think I've had a had a, a moderately successful career over the last few years. I think I've helped um, a lot of organisations in in quite uh, quite a beneficial way, um, whether it be in terms of licensing, whether it be in terms of process and helping them move forward with their with their you know their SAM proposition. Um, so I, I, I like to think now that I can go anywhere and people can look at my CV and go, obviously, you know, this guy's this guy's pretty experienced. Um, he clearly knows what he's uh, what he's about. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's got to be worth a go. Um, and as a result, I, you know, I, I can depends on what budgets are, but I can normally um, ask for a day rate and get that day rate I want. You know, right. so it's uh, it's nice. It's nice. I enjoy what I do. Could you give a, a view on the sort of pros and cons of contracting? Obviously, you've chosen to do it for quite a while, so you must enjoy it. And there's certain Absolutely. lifestyle benefits of contracting versus full-time employee and stuff like that. Do you want to get able to share about the sort of why you've chosen this sort of route? I think, I think it's all about. Um, I, I chose it because I wanted to, I think, have a more um, 
more relaxing, not relaxing lifestyle necessarily, but you know, a, a little bit less pressure, I think. Um, I mean, my last my last permanent employer, the outsourcer I worked for, it was constant pressure to deliver. Um, the uh, conditions and the pay weren't all that great, to be fair. Um, when you when you look at what I was actually doing for them, um, and you know, there wasn't a great deal of uh, gratitude and thanks for what you were doing. You know, there was I, I did as I said, I did have a really good manager, and he would you know phone you up and say, "Well done, I've nominated you for for a, a star award," which was um, effectively you know a certificate saying, "Well done, you've done your job." It's like, "Well, thank you very much." Um, and I think actually. I was, I don't know, I wasn't enjoying it as much where you're working really hard, you're conscientious, you're trying to do a great job and then not really feeling the real benefit of it. And, and one of the great things I, I love about contracts is going into organisations and every organisation I've gone into, they've, they've either you know, tried to get a SAM programme going before or they've never done it. And actually going in there and seeing the tangible benefits that, that they're getting from what you're doing um, I think that actually makes a hell of a difference. It makes you feel like you're really contributing to that organization's success. Yeah. Um, and in turn, in a personal personal capacity, yeah, it was it was more about so having a little bit less pressure professionally, um, but also about um, bringing bringing some, I guess, financial benefits to my family as well. You know, I mean, just as a, a, a one example, my my wife has family in Australia. Um, and if it hadn't have been for the contracting, we might never have been able to afford to to go out there and, and visit them. So that's you know that's that's one sort of tangible um, you know uh, benefit that we've had from a from a personal uh, perspective as well, which was which is really great. We spent a month in Australia; it was wonderful. Uh, so uh, that might not have happened. What I mean by the lifestyle benefits is some contractors don't have to work five days; they could work like a day a week for one client, two days for that client, and you don't necessarily have to be at full pelt all the time, do you, if you're lucky? Absolutely. I mean, I I, um, I think you're right. I think whilst I've been dedicated to uh, individual clients, I, I have tended to, to do that. Um, I, I guess... Maybe it's just me. I'm, I'm, I'm my, my wife would say I'm a bit of a workaholic, and, and to be fair, that's probably not far off the truth. I'm, I'm not the sort of person that can just, you know, sit down. Um, I have um, more recently sort of forced myself to take time out. Um, and, and yeah, you're right. That is that is obviously an, an added benefit of the fact that you know financially there's not so much pressure there, so you can you can sort of wake up and, and smell the roses a little bit and go and enjoy your life a little bit more. I think um, obviously nice holidays and and, and stuff like that. It's um, you know it's beneficial um i mean the last couple of years i've been incredibly lucky and in, in fact i've been working from home a lot more as well um which is obviously another another added benefit i mean in the in the digital world um i do think it's uh it's obviously you know really achievable to actually work from home on a on a regular basis you know because at the end of the day we've all got the connectivity um, even though i live in norfolk we still do have some some measure of internet up here um you know as long as we keep feeding the hamsters we're okay so having 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 that digital connectivity to the outside world and, and you know i mean my desk um is is littered with the minutiae of my, my my daily business but you know it's all it's all here i can i can sit and work for multiple clients here which is which is really good yeah cool and i've i've seen a screenshot of your uh your office from from a, a i think it was a google hangout you did and i think you've got lots of memorabilia and stuff around your desk haven't you i i am yeah i'm i'm a i'm an avid collector of uh signed sports memorabilia um 
so yeah and it's it's the office is one of the few places i'm allowed to have it the office and, and upstairs um, i'm not allowed to have it downstairs so uh, <laughs> that's yeah this is this is my haven with my my space my stuff on the wall um the, the reason yeah. the reason i mentioned the lifestyle stuff is i i did a, a gig um a few years ago and it was a two two days a week and it was absolute gift of a contract for, i think it was about 18 months i did it in london and it was extremely rewarding and interesting project, but only two days a week, which allowed you three days. And I effectively started the iChain review off properly doing those three spare days. It was, and, and arguably, the iChain review wouldn't be here, and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without that contract. It's very, yeah. It was very, um, it was absolute gift of a contract. Yeah, it, it, sometimes it just works out that way, doesn't it? I mean, um, I mentioned I mentioned earlier that uh, I don't tend to dedicate myself to one client now. I mean, um, the way the way I'm working at the moment, I uh, subcontract from um, a licensed consultancy uh, called Sinjaga, so I, I look after some of their clients for them, and that's that's been really rewarding because all of a sudden, I, I guess it is uh, a true consulting gig because I'm, I'm working with some of their clients. Uh, I'm looking at different environments, we're looking at different licensing. Um, working on different problems um but i also have a part-time contract of my own which is i reckon that's that's one day a week um you know and that's great that's with an organization that um that's instituting a, a sam program um and they wanted to do it in-house they didn't want to do a managed service um and they didn't want one full-time contractor coming in and just running the show so in, in that space, it's very much a supporting role um, where I'm actually supporting the, the person that's uh, actually um, running running the shop as, as the software asset manager and sort of providing advice and guidance on best practice and helping them with license positions and stuff like that as well. So that's, that's really beneficial for me as well um, because it it's almost takes, whereas previous contracts where we've been looking at instituting a sound practice, I've been full on involved there. And this is actually almost like taking a step back and just touching base and you know, but it's, it's, it's really beneficial. And, and the basic value of a contractor I see is that you you can go into that organization to say, you've got this challenge. I've addressed this challenge with five other companies and this is what we did and this is how it worked. And that's the basic value of what you're doing, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and it is, it's about being able to take that experience wherever you go, because, you know, whilst, whilst we uh, we talk about we do different things every day, at the end of the day, you have the same broad uh, basic experience and you, and you can take that in and what's worked for one, one organisation may well work uh, equally effectively for another organisation. Or it might be a case of you, you look at implementing the same solution, but then just tweak it slightly so it, it better fits the needs of that particular organisation. Yeah. Um, and just to, yeah, definitely. just to clarify, uh, you mentioned Sinjaga. Sinjaga were the um, ITAM Excellence Awards winners. So that's Tony and Gillian of Sinjaga. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm sure I've seen you both at the same time, but um, you and Tony are both at least six foot uh, and would make would make good coppers, British coppers. Um, so <laughs> you, you, you don't, you know, you, it's quite intimidating when you both stand next to each other. Absolutely. So I, I'm I'm six foot four. I think Tony's probably six foot five. Um, he, he's definitely taller than me. Um, but I, I've known Tony and Gillian for some years now because we we worked together in uh, in the public sector. So uh, when I was at a, a government department and they were uh, working uh, for the cabinet office, um, and we almost within central government there was almost at that time a virtual uh, SAM team. So they called in 
Sam, it was mainly Sam contractors, but they called in Sam experts from various departments to, you know, support them with uh, doing a software license review of, of central government. So I, I, I first got to know Tony uh, through that, and then obviously Gillian came in and then got to know as well. So, and we'd always said, you know, we'd love to work together um, someday. So when um, when when Tony approached me and said, look, here's what we're doing, we're we're setting up Sydney, we'd love you to come along. It was too good an opportunity to pass up um you know and and, and Sinega is is it's very much like like myself very independent um you know not tied to any software vendors in any way no reselling uh no audit review audits for vendors anything like that so it's it's great and we also look at it from the commercial perspective as well i mean obviously as i say i'm very much a licensing person and i think in the context of the sam industry that's where my specialisms are i i can do uh sam process um as, as well as you know, probably the, the bulk of the industry. Obviously, there's certain people I think that are head and shoulders above the rest of us, like Rory. Um, but I, I, I do focus very much on licensing. That's that's where I really, that's the bit of the industry I really enjoy. But with Sinega, we also look at commercial aspects as well, and, and that's something that Julian's incredibly strong on. Um, so it's it's a good it's a good mix. You know, we've got got licensing and commercial knowledge, and that's what we do. We try and we try and help organisations get um get the benefit of their software vendor contracts and help them optimize them both technically and commercially i i um uh, tony's quite obsessive about communicating in commu commercial terms and i think he was sharing with me once that he had to prepare dossiers for government ministers basically to say this is the issue and this is what we need to do about it but say it in four bullet points and I think when you do that a few times, you shouldn't realize what works and what doesn't. Then you don't communicate techie stuff. You communicate commercial and financial impacts. And so that's where he's cut his teeth really on that, isn't it? Absolutely. It's something that, that Tony is far stronger than I am. I mean, obviously, I, I get myself lost in the technical data. Um, and it is something I must admit I do struggle a little bit with is, is sort of trying to uh, shrink the technical proposition down into into layman's terms. I mean, it, I, I can do it, but I suddenly find myself feeling that I need to explain what I mean by that. Yeah. So uh, with Tony, Tony's exceptional at, at, at sort of crystallizing um, a technical viewpoint on licensing into something that your most commercial and, and procurement and uh, senior management would uh, would understand without too much uh, without too much effort. So could you share with me what you think about the SAM industry at the moment? Because uh, if we take a few years back, so you contracting in what, when did you say 2012, 2010? Um, 2012 I started contracting. Yeah. So, so around, the, around 2008, 2010, people started saying, right, the cloud's coming. We won't need software asset managers anymore. Um, five years on, um, completely, completely different perspective. What's your view on on the like the lie of the land and, and and the sound industry at the moment so i think i think in the in the last few years the sam industry has obviously become quite mature in in the on-premise space um you know i think i think that particularly when you look at sort of iso 19770 for example as a as an international standard you know most people now when you see um, a contract most people now saying well actually you know a knowledge of ISO 19770 um, you know we need to and a lot of people are looking to measure themselves against that standard when it comes to implementing on-premise solutions obviously you know as you say cloud is the uh, is the is the big thing um, and is, is sort of gradually taking over the world but I think where people maybe or may once have thought, you know, well we don't really need to do software asset management anymore because cloud's very easy I don't think that's uh, 
that's right. I mean, I think there is still very much uh, a case for software asset management. I mean, um, when you look at uh, the various cloud propositions out there, there's always commercial terms that need to be understood. Um, and also, I mean, if you take Microsoft, for example, I mean, we've had the recent announcement of Microsoft 365, but there's still uh, a multi-layered contract in place that you need to understand. You still need to have, you know, a, a business and services agreement in place. You still need to have um, your enterprise agreement in place or, or you know, uh, equivalent purchasing agreement. And all those terms and the implications they have still need to be understood. And I think, you know, it, with Office Pro Plus, for example, um, if you have a, a, a cloud plan that includes uh, on-premise deployment of Office Pro Plus, that still needs to be managed. You know, you still need someone to manage the user accounts. You still need to know what software is out there. And, and there's always going to be as well, I think, even with cloud, um, there's always going to be people that continue to deploy uh, server environments on-premise for, for a number of reasons. I mean, uh, chief amongst which data security, I think, would be the you know, the most common one. So I think I think the SAM industry actually just needs to, to evolve and go from strength to strength here because I think there's still very much an argument to be made to, to have software asset management people around, around the cloud proposition. And we've done an article on what is Microsoft 365. So if you Google ITAM review, what is Microsoft 365, you'll find an article by Rich Gibbons of the ITAM review. And it's basically just classic Microsoft, which is there's no new products, there's no innovation. It's just a, bund a new bundle, basically. Um, for, for, for us to figure out and then you need to remember when they brought that in and what SKUs are involved and all that sort of nonsense as, as we usually do. So Barry, thank you very much for joining the podcast. If we could finish with one last question for you and that is if somebody's looking to join the contracting market to be a contractor around SAM, anything you'd recommend in terms of getting started and to be successful in the longer term? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, from a purely contracting perspective, um, you know, for the biggest piece of advice, I think is is get a good get a good accountant um, because that's a, a daily stress that you don't really need to try and uh, take on yourself. And there's lots of good contractor accountants out there. Um, and the other thing would be actually um, have a look at um, a contracting industry organisation, something like the um, Association for Independent Professionals and the Self-Employed, who are really good. They're a lobby organisation. Um, and if you have, uh, if you're a member of, of theirs, they will uh, help to support you if you have tax investigations, for example. So that's that's just from a purely contra contracting point of view. From a SAM point of view, um, I think contracting is a really great way to build your portfolio of, of knowledge. Um, I mean, it's, it's something I've done. I think if I'd have stayed in a permanent role, I may well have just been doing the same uh, same things day in day out. So, for example, the, the permanent role that we talked about earlier that I had. Um, you know, we had no responsibility for Microsoft licensing that was retained in house. So I never really would have done much in the Microsoft space had I stayed there. I mean, obviously IBM and, and Oracle are quite challenging anyway, but, um, and I think actually going from contract to contract, I've always focused on, you know, um, a different vendor in a, in a slightly different way. Or obviously I've done a lot of Microsoft work since, and I've, I've only really learned, you know, the Microsoft to the depth that I have because I've looked at it from different angles. I've, I've um, supported organizations with SAM baseline reviews. I've supported organizations with audits. I've supported organizations with getting processes in place around Microsoft server licensing. I've worked with outsourcers, um, you know, where an organization has had an IT outsourcer. I've worked with in-house technical teams. And, you know, it's, it's really, really good being able to go to 
each organization and pick something up new and and, and that's that i think is the real value of, of the contract in the consulting market because there's always something new to learn out there because no, nobody can ever actually know everything about software licenses as i'm sure you know yeah and my final piece of advice to wrap things up is uh is networking let people know that you exist let people yeah. know that you're a contractor let people know what skills you have and which is a nice segue which is the next UK BCS networking event is on the 12th of September, I believe, uh, if you happen to be in the UK. Um, and hopefully, Barry, I'll see you there and we can have a beer afterwards as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. But Barry Pilling, thank you very much for your time and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Martin. It's been a pleasure talking to you.